Welcome to the Daily Canon Podcast. Hello again, listeners. It's another Daily Canon Weekly Podcast. Uh, it's me, your host, Matthew Wade, joined by our regular from Croatia, Anita Sambol. How are you, Anita? Hello, hello, Matthew. It's been a while. It's been it's, a while. Yeah, Arsenal have gone a bit south since the last start, but yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Yes, I have to apologise, listeners, for the lack of podcasts last week. Essentially, my life became utterly mental. Uh, oh, oh, nothing too horrific, just work stuff and, and associated things like that, but yes. Uh, I'm yeah, now back- when, life, when life comes in... Yeah. Instead of Arsenal, so <laughs> yes, to the point where when it comes to uh, we've, we've got three games to catch up on. We've got because we didn't get to meet talk about the Liverpool game previously, so we're going to touch on that briefly. Uh, although uh, Anita, you're going to have to carry the weight of much of the Liverpool game because I only got to see some highlights because I didn't get to watch the game because I was working. Because that's, <laughs> that's such the joys of freelance life. You can't always choose when you're doing things. So without any yeah. further ado. I mean, obviously, I've read about it. I've watched the highlights and whatever. But what did you? What were your impressions of the Liverpool game, which appeared to be sort of the last positive <laughs> fixture? <laughs> well, I I missed a bit of it as well. I was waiting for some guests to arrive whole Sunday, and then obviously they arrived just as soon as the match was uh, in the second half. Yeah, after the second half. When we started playing better as per usual in our second halves and yeah, I was, you know, watching with on one eye while entertaining the, the guests. <laughs> How inconsiderate. Yeah, and even like I said, scored while they were still there, so yeah. But I mean I watched the first half completely, which was very oh, very arsenal this season. <laughs> yeah, I mean I think that the match in general was as you mentioned, the last good, okay one so far in this little little streak of uh, of draws we had we are in at the moment. I think that personally we had we had them. We could have won that match. They didn't look especially threatening. At least, I mean, to me, especially in the second half, mm. Ben Leno was really good uh, defending what was needed i just think that we missed that that one one more goal to score maybe maybe if the match lasted for five more minutes maybe we would <laughs> get that one goal but yeah overall I, it was an okay performance but an indicator of things to come in next few matches well, it looked like a, a fair result from from what I could see from watching sort of longer highlights. But of course, they're always edited by someone. But it looked like that we had more of the play. But Liverpool, on the break as they do, created enough chances that we could be happy enough with a draw, even if the goal they scored was a bit fortunate. Due to the yeah, I think that uh, when you look at stats in the end, I think that. We both had equal number of shots on on target and off target, so it was pretty, as they say, you know, the usual, the very entertaining match for the neutral viewers. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was it, it's the thing with the, our matches against Liverpool over the last few seasons that those matches are always very entertaining with lots of goals, which I was really a bit surprised that we saw only only two goals. So we could have. Hmm. There could have been uh, more in, on both sides. But. Well, with it, yeah, well, I mean, with slightly better finishing, it probably could have been two or three all. For, I mean, there, there, there weren't easy chances, but there were, you know, there were half chances or decent chances that were there and for one reason or another not taken. Um, so, yeah, as I say, it seemed to be a fair result. I mean, I have to give a shout out for Lacazette for what was a, a high quality goal. Um I mean, yeah, definitely. One one more team goal with, uh, I don't know, 16, 17 touches or something like that. It's mm. just really beautiful to watch. And yeah, I'm looking forward to see more of that over the next and, months. And, and again, another game where the uh, substitutions were effectively used by the manager with Iwobi playing at left back and then coming on and helping to create the goal. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that left back position for us lately oh. yes well it just shows no Nacho no party just like last season huh? <laughs> <laughs> and and it shows that when we do get injuries it's always in the same position <laughs> yeah yeah well I mean it's I think it's also there's quite a few sort of trends that have been set as starting with that local game it's also November yeah and as Arsenal fans 
Even Arsenal fans who've been uh, following for longer than myself, let alone you, uh, know that November is, is, you know, if Arsenal have a good November, it generally means they're going to, you know, do well in the league. <laughs> you know, if we go unbeaten. Yeah, I, I tweeted that uh, yesterday during the match that we finally remember that it, it's November, that we are supposed to be shit in yeah. November. And got a reply, wasn't that Wenger thing? <laughs> and I said I, I don't think I think it's Arsenal thing not not only Wenger thing <laughs> well it's I mean it's true, true that under George Graham when we weren't crap in November we did win the league twice and then and then other times we went on slightly dodgy runs in November I mean it's it, for me it's been a thing for as long as I've been a regular fan um, so it would be interesting to know why really why why it's so often the same time of year um, regardless who the opposition are Um but anyway, no doubt we can speculate that more as we, we move on to the other games. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of point spending a great deal of time talking about Liverpool, what with it being a little while ago, and I'm sure that any addicts listening to this will have probably already formed their own view on the Liverpool game. Uh, other than, you know, it was a result that was encouraging in a lot of ways, even though Liverpool very rarely beat us at our place. You know, Liverpool are, are the best that, that any Liverpool team has been what in 20 25 years if not more um yeah, and and we certainly weren't outclassed by them and uh could easily with slightly better play in certain key moments could have won the game uh even though obviously lots of Liverpool fans uh, were complaining about the goal disallowed um which you know i i was sort of slightly interested that there were so many people on TV kind of saying it, oh, it was definitely a goal it was definitely a goal including a couple of ex-refs um, when quite a lot of the things I've read rather than seen on TV and I'm not just talking about fanzines but talking about you know articles were suggesting that it's, 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 it's very complicated I mean the fact that there is some confusion suggests that still whatever they've changed the offside law to be <laughs> is still inaccurate because you know the referee disallowed the goal and other referees have said it should have been a goal um, but I can't see how Sadio Mane was not influencing the play before he actually put in that rebound I, 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 for me that's like if someone's running towards the ball and they're miles offside then that has to impact on the players around them yeah exactly I was I mean I find, found it out that the TV replays and a lot of fans online were talking about an offside when he scored the goal and that really wasn't the case it was the mm. offside before on the initial uh, pass and I agree with you he was definitely interfering with, with the game I mean Lennox didn't know who to track better was it Firmino or Mane it definitely influenced the play and his reactions well given that Mane had to alter his movement in order to avoid getting to the ball before Firmino suggests that... And the fact, that for me, the big clincher was even though um, there was much cop made afterwards, there was no real protestation from the Liverpool players. So if it was the correct decision that it should have been allowed, then it, sh and it shows that even the players have a, have a sort of instinctive sense of what may or may not be right. And But it's a law that still needs clearing up. You know, it's, it's something that they've... I can understand why the changes have happened to try and you know open the game up, and but uh, there still seems to be some confusion about how exactly it should be implemented and interpreted. And is it in danger of being a bit like the handball law, where no one really knows exactly what the rule is, and that different uh, officiating bodies have different standards which they apply to it, which is obviously not something that we want to be the case. As we saw, as you know, again with regards to handball during the World Cup, they were. They had a different standard of rules for how handball should be given or not given compared to domestic or, or European competition because FIFA have a different, slightly different set of rules, which is, like, fucking insane. <laughs> but anyway, more about that another time. Um, obviously, having come out of that game feeling quite positive and lots of people saying positive things about the performance of our midfield... We then went, went, went for a much rotated team into Sporting Lisbon, and, and I, I mean, I guess there's, an, there's the whole game was so overshadowed by Danny Welbeck's injury. Oh, yeah. It's hard hard to know what else to say about it. I mean, any did you have any impressions beyond just the, you know feeling sickeningly sorry for someone who has been cursed by injury during their time at Arsenal? Yeah, and uh, 
once again being reminded why I really don't like Portuguese football players. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> I mean, the match in Lisbon wasn't fun, to put it nicely, at all. And they continued the, the, their same plan uh, back at the Emirates as well. So it wasn't really anything special in that match. I, I safe to say I didn't really enjoy it. <laughs> they didn't allow us much. They were just, you know, looking for fouls and uh, wasting time whenever they could have uh, moaning at the referee and don't even get me started on Nani and everything. But yeah, the, definitely the Danny Welbeck injury was the sad highlight of the match and really awful how these things keep happening to him. You know, the long, long-term injuries and I mean, you, you, can, you can't really blame players for you know, looking a bit off after that because it was such a nasty injury and hard to focus. And as they all said after the match, they were only thinking about how how Danny is, will he be okay and everything. Yeah, I mean, you could certainly see on the TV how distressed Gwendouzi was particularly. Um, but, you know, Ramsey was seemed to be finding it quite hard as well. Um, and those are just the players that we could see close-ups of. Um I mean, it's, it's impossible to feel anything just incredibly sorry for a player that is so selfless in what he gives to a team and his, his work rate's fantastic. You know, we may laugh at some of his finishing and what have you, but, you know, a really good team guy, squad guy who has given his all since coming from Manchester United but has just been cursed with three horror injuries in three and a half years. So his Arsenal career has never had the chance. We don't know what player Danny Welbeck could have become if he, because he's he's every time he's got back to a level of form, he's in, Im- immediately got a serious injury again, um, and it's hard to think that, you know, with with the severity of the fact that he's had surgery and there's talk of a broken ankle, with his contract running out, it's hard to see much hope for Danny Welbeck playing in an Arsenal shirt. Yeah, exactly. It's a weird situation, really. I mean, with Wenger, if Wenger was still here, just like with Santi Cazola and everything, I would be like 80% sure that we would give him a new contract. But now I'm really not sure what to expect. And you, you, you can blame, can't blame the Arsenal head coach or anyone else in the management if they don't want to give Danny a new contract. I mean, it's his history. It's sad, but yeah, you have to sometimes be ruthless. Yeah, and whether it's even a case of being ruthless, I mean, clearly there is. You know, he hadn't been offered a contract before this injury, or at least if he had, there'd been no talk of it, and there'd been no talk. In fact, there'd been no talk from any source at all about a contract for Welbeck. And we were, we were saying a few weeks on this podcast a few weeks ago that we found it strange that there'd been no. Yeah talk of a contract given his early season form and given that he is a valuable squad player when fit um, but while Ramsey's contract has been in the talk of the town uh, for months there's been no no mention from anyone about a potential contract or or rejection of a contract as far as Danny Welbeck was concerned so um, the whole thing is a bit curious really but certainly the fact that there was nothing appeared to be in on the cards anyway would suggest that there's not much chance of him being at the club after this season unless he has a miraculous recovery, um, and, which is obviously a terrible shame for for him and for the club. Given that, well, given that he seemed to be the sort of player that could thrive to a degree under Unai Emery. Um, I mean, looking elsewhere at the sporting game, I mean, I like you was like, oh Christ, I hate watching Portuguese teams play. Um, <laughs> You know, the Portuguese national team can be a bit cynical, but it's nothing compared to their club football. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, sporting uh, really... Well, I mean, they they played for a draw, didn't they? They played for a draw and, and they got it because we we weren't really at the races in terms of creating chances. But it's always hard, of course, if you've got a, a team that doesn't really have any intention to attack and back yeah. fr- and from their centre forward back uh, the focus A more on defence and B doing willing to do anything to break up any momentum in the game as often as possible I mean Freddie Montero 
is a limited striker uh, who's obviously playing because he's more mobile than Baz Dost and also hasn't had the same injury problems. But, I mean, he, over the the two games, he could have been booked six or seven times for, like, nasty tackles. Exactly, exactly, yeah. I mean, Nanny's obviously always been a bit of a shitbag. And apart <laughs> from his moment with Danny Welbeck, which obviously was a reflection of their time together in Manchester, um, y- you know, he, he was just the sort of level of cynicism you expect from an experienced Portuguese player who's leading their team in a difficult situation. But it was sort of uniform throughout their side almost. Um, ironically, probably their least cynical player got sent off for hacking down a Bamiyang when he was through through on goal. <laughs> um, but I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, it was one of those games where it felt like we we would score, but equally, we never really looked like we were going to score. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That that's really well put. <laughs> we we had those many of those over the uh, recent few seasons. Yeah, I mean, what what did you make of individual performances? I mean, obviously, you know, Carl Jenkinson at left back is never going to be Roberto Carlos. <laughs> he tried, he tried. I mean, I always look like with some love uh, at Carl Jenkinson because he's living living our life. You know, the big big fan playing playing for his childhood club and everything like that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, football's individual performances. Uh, in that match and basically uh, even the Liverpool match and the match over the weekend I'm really really getting very frustrated with uh, Mkhitaryan I think that he's really on a on a bad form at the moment and just looks like nothing is coming his way during the match and he keeps he keeps playing I'm just not very impressed well he, he seems to it's interesting that from a, for a player that spent his years at Shakhtar and Dortmund looking so confident, he seems to be a player that in his time in England has really struggled for confidence and he appears to second-guess himself uh, playing a lot, you know. Um, and I wouldn't say he's a confidence player to the same degree as, say, someone like Theo Walcott was, who is either, you know, incredibly dangerous or utterly anonymous. Um, but certainly he's a player that you know he's a player again that seems to have great moments rather than having great performances you know a very different sort of player in that way but that's the commonality I suppose with someone like Aaron Ramsey who can significantly influence games but doesn't often like run a game Um, and I mean ironically of course it was Mkhitaryan and we'll get on to it, who, who, who established a point against Wolves, but that seemed to be almost despite his best efforts. <laughs> that was luck. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I agree that against Sporting, he was poor again. Um, and, but then again, quite a lot of the team were. I, I was... Obviously, Welbeck was doing his best to put himself about before his horrible injury, and that obviously completely disjointed the team. Uh, I thought Genduzi was pretty good again. Um, Licksteiner was good until his hamstring exploded obviously just after taking Jenkinson off so poor old Eddie Nketiah had to sit back down on the touchline when he was just about to come on for the first time this season Um, but yeah I mean there was it's this ongoing problem of having having a squad where we're not quite we don't really know what our best team is and we don't even know what our how we're trying to we don't seem to have two teams of players. We've got a, just a collection of players, which are sort of semi-interchangeable, but but not. It's, I think it's still. I think, and we'll get onto it. The Wolves game. We're still seeing very much the consequences of the last two or three seasons of Arsenal's transfer business, um, where although our signings this summer seem to have all been logical, I think you know the previous summers and winters there seems to be a very strange approach to squad building which is ultimately what cost Wenger his position um, and I think we're still muddling through that now as far as I can see well I mean I, yes I, I agree we don't have a proper you know first team that you would say this is a team that should start every possible match and and will get a great result but I don't see that as a as a huge problem at the moment because 
I, I thought that this season would be about rebuilding the squad, building the players, creating a good team, and I totally expected all of this that's happening at the moment. <laughs> I just I just expected it to happen a bit sooner than than now. With and we are still getting good results while not playing as good as we all want to, but. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not really anything surprising for me at, with expectations I had for this season. Mm, mm. Um, I mean, yeah, was, as I say, it's a shame Eddie and Kitty didn't get to come on against Sporting because it could have been a big moment for him. But obviously, with Welbeck's injury, uh, it seems very likely that Eddie's going to be on the bench on a fairly regular basis now because he's our only other striker option. Um so it's, it's up to the young man to try and take the opportunities when they present themselves. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to think if there's anything else interesting to say about the sporting game, really, other than the fact that we had a lot of possession, um, but a lack of penetration. And part of that was, I mean, there was uh, the same old problem that we've seen enough times under Arsene Wenger the last couple of years. And, and again, we saw it against Wolves at the weekend, the same problem of not moving the ball quickly enough and not having enough general tempo in our play. But also the same problem of, of, you know, do we actually have any wide players? You know, we've got players that can play out wide. And I suppose Alex Iwobi is the closest we have to a wide player. Um, but even he's more of a, he's not quite your traditional wide player. And I think it's led to us to having a, a lack of penetration. We really don't, you know, Iwobi is any person in our team that can regularly beat a player and... You know, for all his physicality, he's not super quick. So, if, if he can't kind of just break away from two or three players in quick succession, he can beat one and retain possession, or he can, or if he's isolated one on one, he can maybe beat that player and get free. But if, if as you we saw in both the games recently, you know, there's two men back. You know, he's got he's got the pace and the skill to maybe beat one of them, but not both. Um, and I think this has been a, a, an issue with with the Arsenal squad for some time now uh, you know since po- probably basically in, in, since Alexis was in his absolute peak form yeah. we, uh, we've out in what the wider positions have been a weakness for us even if we've got a player of the quality of Aubameyang there he's not really a wide man as I, I think well I think we'll probably discuss about the Wolves game now I mean <laughs> firstly why, how fucking weird to have a, a game timetabled at an odd time and then not televised because they decided to put it on the same time as the Manchester derby. <laughs> right? It, I mean, it was so... We were... A boyfriend and I were talking... How how will we handle this? Because it was the Manchester derby and the Formula 1 race started at 6 as well. Half an hour into the match. So it was really <laughs> three screens in <laughs> our living room. <laughs> oh, right. So you, you guys are F1 fans as well, are you? <laughs> he is more than I am. <laughs> yeah, we were watching. <laughs> yeah, well... Um, but presumably you, you got to watch the game. Yes, yes, I did. On the smaller sc- screen because the Manchester Derby was obviously on, on the TV, so <laughs> I had to look for streams on the computer. <laughs> ah, well. Yeah, that, I have to admit I managed to do a cycle of some dubious Russian ones before I found something. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, hell, it, it doesn't seem like in the, in the period of the game I didn't get to watch live that I missed very much. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, no. Yeah, I mean, I was seeing some people talking about it before before the match. Like, if we lose this one, uh, it's gonna it's gonna be hard to get the top four because you know all of the other results and how tight it is up top mm. with uh, basically three teams on the same points and constantly getting points and us and Spurs and everything else. And I was I just thought. What? How is there even the possibility that we are not going to win this match? <laughs> and then, yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I mean, I have to admit, after the after the sporting game in particular, even though it was a different squad, but I had concerns about this game coming into it just because I've seen Wolves play a few times this season, not whole games, but bits of their games. And for me, they've been really unlucky in quite a few games. Like against Spurs, they were blatantly cheated out of what they should have got a point against Spurs. But hey, we all know how Spurs have their special re- relationship with referees. Of course. Um, and yeah, so there was a, a Wolves goal incorrectly disallowed, etc., 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 which would have been an equaliser. 
And um, yeah, I mean, I obviously there are times when they get exposed as, as some of the players being ex-championship players. But, you know, how many teams get promoted from the championship and are able to buy some of the quality of Jean Moutinho uh, just, just to be like an extra man in their midfield? Um, and it's not like they spent the vast amounts of money on him, but they did spend money elsewhere in the squad. And they got Rui Patricio, of course, on a free, who's a quality goalkeeper. Um, who, despite possibly being a di- bit disappointed with the with the Arsenal's equaliser, did make a couple of good saves up until then. So, uh, and I think you know Wolves are very disciplined and they're quite a controlled team and they've got a lot of pace on the break. So I, I knew they were the kind of team that were dangerous to us. I didn't think we'd lose and I thought we'd win, but I thought it'd be really close. Um, unfortunately, we played worse than I thought we would. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's nice. <laughs> I mean, where to start? I mean, I, the goal we conceded, obviously, when you've got a team that's set up to be quite defensive and pay on the break, even if it is in a more controlled way, as Wolves attempted to, um, you never want to concede a cheap goal. And it was a cheap goal. I mean, <laughs> was it just another classic random out of the blue Jacker brain fart? Or do you think there was more to it than that? It's... It's the one uh, he tends to have from time to time, and he's so unlucky that his brain farts usually end up in goals. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that lots of players, I mean, it's normal for players to have bad passes, wrong passes, and during every match, basically, especially in, in midfield and when you try to, you know, play the passing game, and it's all about the passes and everything like that. But he just seems, you know, to lose the ball, to give it away in the worst possible moment, and it often just you know piles on like dom- dominoes, and it just ends in the goal, which is what happened in this match as well. I think that he was really good against Liverpool. I forgot to mention that when people have been talking how improved he was, how he was fantastic, just you know basically just waiting for something like this to happen to him, and you know hmm. for people to go back slating him. <laughs> I mean, I actually thought that in the second half, he was probably our best player. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's still a really good player. He controls that midfield a lot and really goes well with uh, Lucas Torreira, which we mentioned quite a few times over on this podcast that they they are probably our best, best defensive midfield pairing. But again, he makes a mistake and that mistake is very often the goal against Arsenal uh, if not one maybe even two or, or mm. yeah it just hard hard for him and it's the mistakes that like that that get remembered when we should talk about you know how good he was in second half I mean of, of course his mistake was was partly the reflection of yet another Arsenal not turning up in the first half or at least kind of just turning up, but just turning up and not really imposing themselves on the game. I mean, what do you make of it? Is it? You know, we knew that it was a bit of a problem last season at times under Arsene Wenger, but it just seems so odd that apart from one or two games, apart from maybe the Liverpool game and the Fulham game and, and the Chelsea game, every other game, our second half performance has been significantly better than our first. I think it's only us and Cardiff who have not been in the lead in the first yeah, half. I saw that stat. And obviously Cardiff's situation is rather worse than our own. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, it has been a running gag over this season. And, you know, we can laugh at it how we are second half team and comparisons and everything. But it's it's beginning to be a problem. And I, I, I kept thinking that, yeah... Okay, it's funny. We turn up in the second half, we turn the match around and score some brilliant team goals and everything. But when the bigger teams come and when the even weaker teams see what's happening and find out how to break us down, Mm. we won't be able to come back. And it started to happen with Liverpool and now Wolves again. Yeah, it's, it's hard to get back in the second half. Teams can, you know, easily just come out first half, score a goal or even two if they are that much better, and then close the shop in the second half. And we can, you know, just pass the ball around and not, not do anything. And of course, with, you know, with three teams who want to counterattack, uh, Bournemouth, Spurs, and Man United on the horizon, um, that's something that obviously we need to be very wary of, particularly as, well, 
we we know that Man United in particular uh, uh, have a manager who is the king of score a shitty counter attack goal against her on a play and then just shut the shut a game down. Um, I mean, I've been racking my brain about this. Can you can you fathom any reason why we're so poor in the first half of, of games? I, I feel like, I feel like don't know. I mean, it's he. Emery does make perhaps one change in the in the halftime if he makes any, if he doesn't wait for deeper in the second half. Mm. It's basically the same players. Uh, perhaps I'm not sure. Maybe he just you know goes and tries something in first half, then has to change it in second half. But I don't see why don't you start with the idea you have for the second half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's also kind of. It, it seems to me that Emery is very aware of the issue and it, and is trying to slightly tinker with his system, but at the same time, with, with a group of players that aren't quite right for how his system wants to be, um, and he's trying to, you know, it's that whole thing of should it, should he play slightly worse players in their best positions, or does he need to keep kind of shoehorning square pegs into round holes? And also, I think he's still trying to work out which system even if it's with the same players works best with the players he had i mean we've seen kind of within games shifts between the 4-2-3-1 to going to you know 4-4-2 or 4-3-1-2 we saw when we went off at the half time yesterday and uh, and Gunduzi came on um you know we had that very very brief look at playing five at the back in europe which was very quickly abandoned <laughs> um it, yeah, for me, it, it still seems like we have a manager who is trying to work out what his best team is and and is uh, evidently not entirely happy with the outcomes, judging by the way he's tweaking, but hasn't yet found a solution to go forward. But it, it is odd that the team seems to start so slowly in games because you'd think, regardless of system, that would be something you'd be able to you know, start on the front foot anyway. But of course, we saw the same thing under Wenger last year where teams the team would so often not turn up at starts of games. And is it these collection of players? Is it something about... Is it a conservatism tactically or to try and not concede those early goals? Or is it, or is it a lack of... Comparative lack of technical ability compared to previous squads? I don't know. It's, it's really puzzling for me how... It's, it's it's the sort of thing that shouldn't be that consistent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As, as you mentioned, over the last season and this one, it's maybe it's the players. I mean, it's it's the different manager, different approach, but the same players. Maybe maybe it's really in there. Maybe it goes with what you mentioned earlier: the build squad squad building and trans- transfers over the last few seasons. Yeah, but um, I mean, either way, we we got to where we were. I mean. It was another mixed bag. Lots of not great individual performances across the team, I thought. Um, you know, I thought Torreira was pretty good again. Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought Ben Leno was good, I think. Yeah, Leno, Leno definitely garnered some praise from that match. And I thought I thought Hector was pretty good again. Um, you know, missed a, a chance on his left foot. But, you know, he's a, he's a right back with his left foot. And you don't often see them go in. Um, I mean, it, it's it's fascinating. It's, I find it really frustrating. I think right now it was really interesting before, but now it's a bit frustrating. <laughs> he, tends to, he tends to find himself in that positions, like goal scoring positions, over the last few match very often. At least once once per mm. match, it was you know good chance. All has had only goal in front of himself and just you know very very off target. Uh, shoots it very off target. Uh, just. It's great for him to be there, find himself in one position. Maybe he should, you know, practice shooting a bit <laughs> in training. Well, one suspects he might do. Um. <laughs> it's it's a trend. I think that he he did the same. It was in Liverpool match and the one before mm, as mm. well. Where yeah, it was just nice to see, but totally wasted chance when you think that if there if perhaps uh, Ramsey or even Ezil, Aubameyang were there, it would be a goal. Um, But yeah, I mean, again, that was another example of chances being created down the left. Um, So often because Bellerin basically is on his own on the right. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, you look at who else 
was in in the team. You know, Jaco, as we spoke, had a good second half, but was res- at least partially responsible for Wolves' opening goal. Our central defenders were okay, but were both. You know, they both had really good moments, I thought. I thought Mustafi made a couple of actually absolutely vital interceptions quite late on in the game when Wolves were playing on the counter. But both were guilty of allowing themselves to be caught in non-ideal positions with pace running at them, which is not entirely their fault. It's partly the fault of those around them. Um, and I, I thought Holding was Holding's lack of pace was exposed in a few times, which is, I mean, there's not a great deal he can do about that. And Mustafi, although he, I thought he had a pretty good game, his... Distribution was a bit slow and laboured at times, which I think inhibited our transitions. Um, and then obviously you had the front four. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> not. I mean, like I said, then the Aubameyang didn't get many many chances, many balls. But when they did get them, it was nothing spectacular, nothing special happened. I think that Ezel was was. A passenger, as they say. <laughs> mm. One thing I just really—he was dropping far too deep, wasn't he? He kept on getting involved, doing what he was doing last season under Wenger, which is kind of being an auxiliary playmaker behind himself. <laughs> <laughs> need, we need to clone him, huh? Well, perhaps. Yeah, I, 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 he, he was kind of doing decent things in non-dangerous areas. I mean, that was partly a reflection of the way that the Wolves team was set up with, you know, they definitely had their double pivots in place and, and were set up very solidly. But still, nonetheless, I thought I, I thought there was a, a lack of bravery from Arsenal players in their, just, in their use of the ball and, and willingness to go into dangerous areas. And I thought there was a... There wasn't the same movement as we've seen in previous games, particularly when Wolves were defending deep. Our, our front line was pretty static and making it quite easy for them, I felt. Yeah, I, I can barely think of uh, good chances we had besides that uh, Aubameyang shot that hit, hit the post. Well, obviously, I mean, we, ha- obviously we have to talk in, about that. <laughs> if that went in, we would definitely turn the match around. It was, you know all the build-up to good mm. second half and everything was leading up to that goal and then oh, he hit the post. It just, what happens? You know, we kept scoring these chances, these goals in second half. It was about to happen to, you know, end the half without scoring two goals. <laughs> but it, I mean, it really was a sloppy miss, wasn't it? I mean, you, particularly a player of that ability, but it was a position that was a very, I mean, it was an easy chance. Uh, and I suppose that's one thing we forget about Aubameyang because we just see his his gaudy goal totals from Germany you know he was always a player that would miss a few chances but because his movement and acceleration and and, uh, you know ability to find pockets of space in the penalty area was always so good particularly when there's good delivery from out wide that he always got lots of chances and therefore still scored great numbers of goals but um yeah, I mean that was that was a bad miss. I mean it was as, as bad a miss as the one against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, um, and ultimately, you know, it didn't cost us all three points, but it certainly cost us the probability of of getting all three points as opposed to just one. Um, particularly as it was, I think it was the seventy third minute, and so once you had injury time, there's you know nearly twenty five minutes left yeah. uh, in the game. And Wolves were just starting to 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 look tired and, and starting to crumble a tiny bit, despite remaining dangerous on the counter throughout. And wasting time whenever possible. Yeah, well, I mean, the, uh, w- the less what we say about Stuart Atwell and the fourth officials, <laughs> I mean, how you, how someone can give like the amount of injury time as a final final number when there's still a player on the floor injured who's been injured I for know, a minute right? and he's still yeah, getting treatment exactly, for head injury. Exactly. It's just. Oh. Only five minutes after all, all of that happened. I mean, yeah, just... some like three injuries and six substitutions, and yeah, I mean, so it was one of those ones where I actually found myself shouting on TV, going, "You don't know the rules." <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not really sure if we would score if it was ten more minutes. No, <laughs> I think we'd, I think we'd sort of run out of steam a little bit by then, and, and Wolves were looking well as as when Gibbs White hit the crossbar from that amazing shot oh in the last God, couple of minutes. I, I died in that moment. <laughs> I mean, particularly as it's almost bounced along the line. I mean, we really got our let off in that game. Um, oh. 
that was just and he's a young player I, I think has got a, a bright future ahead of him I saw him for the England age groups and I've seen him play a couple of times for Wolves and I'm thinking you know I can understand why they're not playing him all the time because it's a demanding role and he's you know very young and what have you but you know he's someone we need to look out for I think and uh, certainly Arsenal needed to look out for him <laughs> those <laughs> last few counter-attacks they had it just exposed us <laughs> Well, I, I, I did read someone online complaining about how, how slow is Rob holding that Traore went past him like he's not there. And, and I and I had to respond the response back going, Traore is one of the four or five quickest footballers in the, in top flight football anywhere in Europe. <laughs> you know, he, he he does that to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not just Rob. I mean, he does like pace, as, as you already mentioned, but it's not his fault. Well, it's also, you know, the fact that Hector Bellerin took a, a yellow pulling Traore back rather than trying to keep pace with him tells you that the, <laughs> went like 80 yards from our goal tells you that the guy is rapid <laughs> exactly exactly. and that bit where he was closing down our defenders and he managed to simul- he, he's running so quickly he managed to close down all three at once it was fucking mental <laughs> I mean if he if he was a player that I mean obviously he came from the Barcelona youth team Traore but if he was a player that could uh, consistently you know cross and finish as well as the rest of his game He'd been absolute world beater, but thankfully some of his decision making down the years has been awful. Um, but yeah, when, I mean, obviously it was very sensible for Wolves to throw him on as a as the counter attacking spearhead force, uh, and it very nearly worked for them. Um, you know, they unlike a lot of teams that come and play defensively, they made sure that they had an atta- a counter attacking threat throughout the entire game. And I think for that, uh, Nuno deserves some credit, even if some of his players were a little cynical. Um, but uh, I mean we have to talk about the the equaliser I mean how fucking jammy was that <laughs> <laughs> he totally meant it huh? <laughs> put the ball I in a dangerous area in a dangerous area <laughs> <laughs> it was just it's a brilliant goal when you look at it but I mean it miss hit cross just the the just describes from Italian's form as of lately. <laughs> well, I, don't know, I don't know if it was a miss hit cross because ultimately Abamyang missed it by about three or four inches. Um, so it's nearly a perfect cross. It, it <laughs> ended up being a perfect, perfect cross because it didn't even need any help going in. But <laughs> I think if Abamyang got to that, it would definitely be off target. <laughs> <laughs> possibly, possibly. But I mean, I'd say that's the one thing that it was indicative of a broader pattern as late on, you know, when Kalasnach was taken off and Xhaka would move to left back again, uh, we suddenly started putting more balls in the box in dangerous areas towards two strikers rather than sort of the usual hopefully slinging the ball towards Lacazette for him to lose out to the, particularly as the, that Wolves centre-half is like an absolute fucking giant. <laughs> you know, just watching them toss balls in towards Lacazette there, it's like, I don't even know why you're trying to do this. Um, so, but, but yes, sort of towards the end of the game, when, when Jacker was essentially playing left-back, he put in three or four very dangerous balls, and ultimately it was one from Mkhitaryan from a similar position that resulted in our goal. Um, who would have thought a year ago that Jacques would be our emergency left-back? <laughs> <laughs> and he he did a, he does a really decent job yeah i mean i i was i in that point where despite the fact he was slower than everyone else he managed to beat like three wolves players and put in a cross which just evaded lacazette i was i was very impressed by <laughs> he sort of it, it's more than coercion at all the whole match <laughs> well i i mean yes i mean the the i mean obviously he's just returned from injury again but the form of Kolasinac has to be a major concern. I mean, he, he just looks like his confidence is gone. Yeah. You know, he's not even able to, you know... Yes, he's a player with technical flaws, and I think we, we can all recognise those, but when he first first came into the team, um, the start of last season, you know, he for the first few games, he looked like a really good signing for us, didn't he? I mean, people were raving about him, but... He scored, I think. He scored a few times, yeah. Um, but this season, it's he's dropped off a cliff. I mean, he just looks like a... Yeah, I mean, apart from the occasional useful foray going forward, he looks like a bad footballer now. Which, you know, yeah, exactly. the, the guy has nearly 50 caps for his country. And... 
has played in three or four different positions in the Bundesliga and was left back of the year in the Bundesliga when just before joining Arsenal. So there's clearly a player there, but positionally and in terms of his confidence, he seems all over the place at the moment. And I think that's the, that's a really big challenge for the new manager, who's you know obviously more of a coach than Wenger ever ever was, um, and there's a real coaching challenge for him because. Historically, the evidence suggests that there's a, there is a good player in Kalasnach, but uh, we haven't seen that player with any degree of consistency, even within a single game, for quite some time. Um, and right now, there has to be serious concerns about his future at the club. Yeah, I just hope that much more will be fit and ready after the international break. Indeed, indeed, because I, I really don't. Him. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't want. Uh, Klasnach having to face up against you know the inc- against the the lightning quick attack that Bournemouth have got or or Anthony Martial or uh, <laughs> or even Lucas fucking Mora you know I don't I, I don't I don't want to see because Klasnach so far doesn't look like he can defend against anyone with pace I mean we know that that's Nacho's not Nacho's strongest point but at least Nacho knows how to defend generally um, <laughs> on a relatively consistent basis so the only hope is that now he's fit that Emery can do some real coaching work with Kalasnach and try and try and bring up to him up to a level where he's a useful contributor because um, obviously we've seen a couple of times this season how having to play right foot right backs at left back really just does so much undermines our attacking power so much um, but Kalasnach was even wasteful with the ball yesterday which is some, not something you normally level at him um, but his, I mean, certainly, I mean, from wide positions, I mean, his passing's always been suspect. And yesterday it was again down, sort of ten percent lower than any of his colleagues again. And there were so many really poor concessions of possession before he went off. Um, that even though Xhaka hasn't got the mobility, just his ability to to play a sensible pass and keep keep possession added a lot to us as an attacking sense. Um, what, what did you think of the decision to bring on Genduzi for Iwobi at half time? I wasn't really, really sure because I don't think that. I mean, even though Gunduzi is a really good midfield, good player, I think we mentioned a few times that uh, he doesn't bring t- as much uh, to the attack. I, I was hoping to see Ivobi get into the match. He seemed a bit off during the first half, and I was really waiting for him to catch up during the second half. And I, I just think that. It, it looked to me more like a defensive uh, substitution, if that makes sense. Well, it certainly seemed to be one that was about trying to get control of the game through possession. Um, and so the, a defensive in a sense that bringing an extra body back would, would mean that we'd put more pressure on the make Wolves midfield, which was holding possession reasonably well in the first half. And, you know, and with players like Ruben Neves and, and as I say, Moutinho... They should be good at recycling possession. I mean, they're they're you know high quality possession footballers who've played for much bigger clubs than Wolves before, um, and at the highest level internationally as well. I mean, I thought Genduzi was pretty good when he came on. Actually, I mean, one thing he does tend to bring is a is a bit of energy and a bit of determination. And lest we forget, it was his through ball to Ramsey that led to the corner, directly <laughs> preceding our jammy goal. Um, another good save by Ru Patricia there. Um, pre 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 assist. <laughs> yes, pre 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 assist. Uh, and of course, Ramsey gets an assist because he was the one that played the ball to Mikatarian. <laughs> uh, so the stats are going to be good for Rambo again, uh, despite oh. the fact he's not not playing. Yeah, I, I feel feel bad for him as well because he isn't playing that much, and he when he does come on. It's nothing special, and he doesn't show anything that would mean that that would give Emery uh, something to you know start him in the next match or anything. It's just I think he's having a bad time in the team at the moment. I mean, I thought he was, I thought he was a good substitute for to, to uh, yesterday. I, I thought that, as evidenced by him, you know, having that shot that eventually led to the corner which led to the goal <laughs> um, you know when when Aubameyang's not on his game we don't have any really anyone else in the squad that is very good at making movement off the ball 
to get into goal scoring positions uh, you know unless it's the result of quick interplay like Ozil can get in those positions if there's been some really nice interplay but Ramsey just gets into those positions and of course the downside of that means he, he hasn't got the positional discipline most of the time to really be as effective uh, as, a, as part of a double pivot although I thought his distribution against Sporting was pretty good uh, from that deeper role um, but yeah there was an absence of that there was an absence of people making runs from unusual areas against against Wolves and so it made it quite easy for them to retain their, their two banks of four if you will and that's not quite what they were doing but you know when they were players were rotating position that was effectively what they were creating in terms of a barrier and I thought Ramsey's substitution was a, a good way to at least attempt to puncture that um, but yeah as you say unfortunately for, for Ramsey his strengths and, and do not uh, in our current tactical system make up for his weaknesses um, you know he's not really going to be a, a, a top player in that in that second midfield role in those two central midfield roles because Emery's asking for something more defensively responsible and more about distribution um, so it's hard to see I mean obviously with the contract situation it's very hard to see a way back for Ramsey anyway but it's hard to see him getting a chance to start that many games this season without injuries uh, kicking in. Um, I mean, how were you left feeling after the Wolves game? I, I, th I guess I was frustrated, but kind of relieved. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because we got the point? Because we got a point, and frankly, we didn't really deserve it, I thought. I thought Wolves were, since Man City, they were the first team this season to probably deserve to beat us, actually. <laughs> Yeah, with, especially with those few counter-attacks in the second half. Mm. Yeah, it was really not a nice match for us. Not really, nothing much, not much to enjoy that match. We definitely got lucky <laughs> to, to get that point. But I still think that if that shot by Alba went in, it would definitely turn, turn the match around. Yeah, I mean, chances are. Um, I mean, do you think there's anything to be concerned about, about... Aubameyang's lack of effectiveness on the left um, you know his goals in recent matches have mostly come with him coming on f uh, as a sub um, you know to, to play on that left sided role after whatever we've had there hasn't quite worked out mm -hmm. um, I mean do you I suppose the question comes down to you know the same question we had at the start is how does Unai Emery fit the best players into some sort of cohesive system <laughs> It seems like that he doesn't know the answer to that question just yet. Mm. He tried with both of them up front in in this match, and I mean, yeah, we can. It's it's same like the talk about us being on an unbeaten run and not playing very well. Obama Young got the award for Player of the Month in the Premier League for for last month. He Despite scoring. Despite making that wanker from Talk Sport unhappy, <laughs> <laughs> he's scoring goals and getting chances, and perhaps wasting some of them. So, I, I mean, I don't think that there's uh, much to be concerned about just yet. Uh, we knew that he won't be that good from from the wide position. I mean, at least kind of expected, and it goes with the. Uh, situation we have on on the in the wide positions that we don't have <laughs> mm. wingers and uh, and wide players i think that yeah he's not what may perhaps you would want him to i thought of him always as a poacher and you know just to be at the right right place at the right time and score lots of goals mm. just like the all whole team and the manager i'm head coach <laughs> everyone it seems like they're trying to find themselves and so far everything they tried was working well in the second half especially and now over the last few matches it started to not work as well as before with the i mean we are playing basically same during the whole season mm. nothing too spectacular nothing too too, too good, you know, that you would say, yes, definitely, this is a one easy win or something like that. 
But now we stopped scoring as many goals. Mm. And it's just, I'm really happy that we have an international break now and not too many players called up. Mm. <laughs> Even Lacazette dropping, dropping now after he was suddenly called up to the French team. And I think that this gives a really good chance for Emery to work on the team a bit more for the really tough tough run we are having in December. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because obviously we've still got our defensive frailties, but but the games we've struggled in most recently have been ones where the opposition have uh, have uh, not wanted to bring the game to us. So, you know, it's very hard to know exactly how people are going to set up. And of course, there's the, the, always the mutual tactical analysis of each other, which can lead to this kind of uh, stalemate, I guess. But... Yeah, I, I don't know if the f- even though they're against better opponents, I don't know if the fixtures we've got coming up are necessarily going to be harder for the way that this team is built. But then again, so much depends on our ability to, depends on our ability to um, well defend, frankly, and, and keep and keep the clean sheets or keep, or keep goals considered at a minimum. Um, I have to say, I felt uh, in the match against Wolves over the weekend that they were. There were so many blocked shots. Was it just me or? So you mean you mean blocked shots from from who? <laughs> Our shots blocked by Wolves defenders. You know, at the moment, it felt like they were defending with their bodies. <laughs> it oh, felt yeah. like every every shot to, that could have been a decent chance across or perhaps a shot on target or something like that that it was you know blocked by someone somewhere yeah well it? i mean there was a fair bit of that whether it was shots or crosses but obviously they were defending quite deep and in numbers and were playing with great determination um that's in- just the feeling i had you know even when we do get in good position and you know trying to get a shot or a cross they are there and block it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I you know, I as I said before, I was I quite rate this Wolves team, and I was impressed with their performance defensively yesterday. I mean, I didn't, I knew that they had decent ball players and they had counter-attacking threat, but I didn't know that they could be that uh, cohesive defensively because uh, I haven't seen that much of them in you know in terms of live game time under pressure. And I thought, uh, yeah, I thought Wolves were, were, were pretty impressive. Um, you know, it won't be the worst result we have this season for sure. Um. Yeah, it doesn't look like that. Winning a point when we should have, could have easily, easily lost this match. But when you look at the bigger picture and other teams, and the fact that it's after the Palace draw and Liverpool mm. draw and everything, it just you know piles up, and it's not, it's not very fun and pretty at the moment well it's frustrating that the the difference between us and spurs is that spurs uh had a had a a goal against them by wolves disallowed which allowed them to get three points as opposed to one point and that they got to play away at crystal palace with no will for zaha (laughs) (laughs) Um, who is clearly palace's key man but you know Sod Spurs. Let's still we can st- still laugh at the fact they still haven't got a fucking stadium. Mm. And, and and did you hear about the complaints uh, they've been told off by the advertising standards people? You hear about oh yeah, one? yeah, yeah. I I've, I've seen that story. <laughs> yeah. So for those who don't know that there was Spurs uh, put it out this advert. So you know with their home ground saying the only place to watch Champions League football in London this season, basically having a dig at Chelsea and Arsenal, and and uh, given that. Spurs are still known close to moving into their own actual stadium. Uh, they've been uh, given a, a big telling off and a fine by the Advertising Standards Authority for basically <laughs> uh, misleading advertising, which, which shows that at least uh, some of these uh, large commercial uh, authorities have a sense of humour. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just very briefly, moving away from the Arsenal team as it stands at the moment... Um, but sort of vaguely related, here we are talking about the fact we don't have a wide man and we're struggling a bit uh, for, for goals. Meanwhile, Reese Nelson has scored again this weekend for Hoffenheim. Uh, I mean, probably probably the easiest goal he scored, a nice, uh, but you know, showed very good anticipation. Um, <laughs> we've got to be careful, really, in his absence, not sort of painting him in as, as the great hope, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was watching that match uh, for Hoff- Hoffenheim. He, yeah, it was his first touch, definitely lucky to... I mean, he was in the right place at the right right moment, but mm. 
you have to get there. He was he made a good really good run as soon as he came on and made a difference and brought them the win. Yeah, well didn't he get the winning goal about a minute after coming off the bench? Having them, yeah, yeah, yeah. having him previous involved in the move earlier. He'd he'd had a couple of he'd had a touch or two in the move earlier and then yeah. <laughs> nice, nice work if you can get it. <laughs> um Yeah, I mean as we've said before, nice to see one of our loan spells actually working out for one of our players for the first time in quite a long time as well. Um, yeah, but it seems that Nagelsmann is still not 100% sure on his abilities. He keeps putting him as substitution in the matches, you know, to be the game changer and get the goals. <laughs> hey, if he keeps coming onto the bench, neither scoring or setting up a goal every time he does, I, I can live with that. <laughs> Ultimately, if, if and when he returns to Arsenal, it, you know, and, unless his development accelerates at an even greater rate, he's likely to be a, an impact substitute at first. So if he can get used to that level at in get that role at a Bundesliga level, that's going to make him much more able to have a, a significant impact for Arsenal going forward. So what's not to like, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, other than that, I mean, there's there's not a great deal to talk about in Arsenal land. Obviously, with Danny Welbeck's injury, there's, we're now being linked to every striker stroke wide player in Europe that isn't already playing for a big team. Um, lots of links continuing with uh, Nicolas Pepe at, at, uh, at uh, Lille, I think he is, um, who has gone from being a player that no one had really heard of a year ago to now being a, a £40 million attacking player because he's just scoring lots of goals. Um, but also being linked to things like you know eighteen-year-old Belgians who play for who have scored have a great goal-scoring records in some in Club Bruges youth team, or eighteen-year-old uh, Brazilian attacking midfielders. So uh, it's going to be quite, it's quite funny watching the, the the newspapers trying to fill their gossip columns in the knowledge that we've got no spending money, and the director of football says that they d- doesn't really believe in the January transfer window. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, that should be interesting. I, I guess the only other thing to really say is that it, and we kind of touched on it before, it presents a massive opportunity for Eddie Nketiah, uh, Welbeck's injury. I mean, well, I don't know how much you've seen of young Eddie, but I mean, what's what's your take on, on him? I mean, I've seen him in the first team or the last season when he came on in uh, the cup matches. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's definitely a prospect and it's really frustrating that he didn't get to come on uh, in the Europa League but mm. I fully expect him to get a lot of game time over the last next two games in, in Europa and we have the League Cup coming mm. yeah I'm looking forward to seeing him play yeah because it's, it's been a slightly odd season for him because he's been on the fringes of the first team but not got any first team minutes but equally that's prevented him from playing more than a couple of games at the under 23s where, yeah, he's, where he's been scoring goals at that level again because that's what he does <laughs> but yeah it's frustrating uh, this, this time uh, in, his, uh, in his career yeah he's sort of in a way both closer to the first team squad but further away from playing any football so it's kind of <laughs> yeah, it's, it must be a bit, a bit confusing I mean one other positive of course from the Europa League is, is uh, without catching the eye particularly Ainsley Maitland-Niles returned to first team action yeah. and uh, you know Particularly as we're still collecting injuries, having someone able to fulfil a lot of roles coming into the uh, back into the squad can only be a great thing. Collecting injuries—that sounds mm. <laughs> like stickers or exactly, Pokemon. exactly. It's, 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 it's the new Arsenal Panini album. I mean, Jesus, with with Wenger's best teams after the Invincibles, we could have easily, uh, well, we could have easily created an Arsenal injury sticker album, couldn't we? Yeah, uh, a complete. That's Complete with prognosis and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole thing. The whole thing is. I mean, it does seem that our injury record has improved, but it still obviously uh, has a lot to be desired. Um, I was going to get Sylvan to come and do an update on this earlier, but he. I've just received a message from him that he is stuck in a warehouse at the airport and won't be home until after I'm going to be long finished with this so I'm going to give a little update instead about the uh, about the Arsenal women's team um, they are doing great right yeah it's funny they've 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 gone from being the the, the team that had, was flattering to deceive and underachieving a bit in last in the last um, in the last few years you know having previously been very dominant a few years ago to this season they just keep rolling on they just keep rolling on they've uh, 
So for, for, for those who didn't hear on uh, previously, their, their results so far this season have been uh, 3-1 win against West Ham, a 5-0 against Liverpool, a 9-0 against Lewis, a 7-0 against Yeovil in the Super League, a 4-3 against West Ham again, a 5-0 away at Chelsea, a 6-0 at home to Reading, a 4-0 away at Bristol City, and a 3-1 at home to Birmingham City, who were, I think at that point, third in the table, and still are third in the table. Which puts them with, uh, yeah, seven games played, 7-1, uh, 21 points, obviously, uh, and a plus 30 goal difference. Um, <laughs> which, which, which means that they're still only three points ahead of Man City ladies, but Man City ladies have played a game more and have a 10-goal a, a inferior goal difference. Uh, last, last season, <laughs> the team that Arsenal struggled against, Chelsea's women, have have played one game more than Arsenal and are eight points behind with a with a, a goal difference of of thirty less than Arsenal. So basically, there's only in the, in the women's Super League there are four teams with positive goal differences. Uh, Reading and Birmingham are both plus one. <laughs> Man City are plus twenty and Arsenal's women's are plus thirty. So uh, yeah, it's a whole lot of whole lot of fun there, and obviously goals are plenty uh, for the for the players in question. So. You know, at least if the men's team are still flattering to deceive a little bit, the women's team are kicking some ass, um, which is always nice to know. At the under-23s level, uh, there haven't really been any fixtures for a little while, but Arsenal are fifth in that table, uh, one point uh, one on goal difference behind Brighton, <laughs> but uh, about six on goal difference ahead of Man City. And a point behind Chelsea. And top of the under-23s is Everton, strangely enough. Um, but there's still quite a long way to go in that season, it has to be said. And at the under-18s level, the Arsenal are top of their division, having surpassed Tottenham Hotspur at the weekend with their last last victory. Uh, with 24 points from nine games, that's eight wins and one defeat. With a plus-19 goal difference, bizarrely, Spurs have a plus-32 goal difference in nine games. <laughs> having scored 42 goals in nine games, but yet are still behind us at that level. So that's <laughs> always quite fun. Um, yeah, the, the last uh, the last under 18s game was just this weekend, just gone, and it was a 4-0 victory against Fulham, where uh, uh, Bailey Spencer-Adams, a young centre-half, scored twice, and Flo Balogun kept up his record of being a goal a game at that level, uh, the young sort of Nigerian striker. So hopefully that will lead to good things for him. Uh, I think I'm going to round up there. That's probably enough gassing from me uh, and probably enough even from Anita, despite the fact that her voice is far more pleasant than my own. <laughs> um, obviously, it's international break time, so we'll have to find something else to talk about next week. Maybe we can get Sylvan to come and do us a full detailed round out of everything that's been going on in the women's team. And we might be able to try and do some more digging into the uh, success and development of the academy setup, uh, particularly under new... Uh, Head honcho and now um, executive uh, pro- executive involvement promoted. I don't know quite how to say it. Per Mertesacker, <laughs> uh, who's who's rise from retiring centre half to uh, footballing guru continues apace. Yeah, not much else to say. So I think we'll knock it on the head there. So thanks for listening once again, everyone. Hope you've had a good week and have a better week to come, even without any Arsenal to to help you get through. And um, thank you again to Nita for joining me and talking to everyone. Anytime, Nacho, anytime. Cool. Well, have a great week, everyone, and we'll speak to you very soon. Take care. Bye. I'm eating gummy bears. You're eating gummy bears? <laughs>